Hello and welcome to Mountainside with Marysville Church of Christ. My name is Bishop Darby. Sorry, no bells and whistles, no special microphones or uh, recording at the beginning of, of some very chill music. Today it's just me and my voice. Uh, we are in the process at Marysville Church of Christ of reopening. And in the midst of reopening, we're trying to refigure some things, including uh, the recording studio that we usually use. So today it's just me. It's just my laptop, and it's just the Bible, and I hope that just for today, that's enough. Let's pick back up on Mountainside. It's been a couple of weeks. I hate that it's been a couple of weeks, but I've been out of town and dealing with some family things. So we're back in Adam. We're in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38. You heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, don't use violence to resist evil. Instead, when someone hits you on the right cheek, turn the other one towards him as well. When someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your cloak. And when someone forces you to go one mile, go a second one with him. Give to anyone who asks, and don't refuse anyone. This is all about the idea of retaliation. This concept of retaliation is something that's embedded inside of the human psyche. This eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth um, statement that Jesus is quoting here is called the lex talonis, and it's the foundation stone of the Old Testament, of the old law. What you do to me, I do to others. And in that we find a sense of justice, or perceived sense of justice. But Jesus comes along and he begins to change even the foundational understanding of our concept of justice. See, justice, the way we perceive of it, is you're wrong, you've been punished due to your crime. But God, see, God doesn't necessarily always follow the idea of justice. In fact, oftentimes, God does things that go against the idea of justice. For instance, right now, here I sit, it is June 25th, it is 9.57 in the morning Eastern Time. And I'm sitting here in this booth, having sinned my whole life having been absolutely and positively a frustrating child in the eyes of God. Constantly, I walk away from him. Constantly, I mess up and I sin. I, I, I challenge him and I doubt. And yet right now, right now I'm saved. Why? Because of grace and of mercy. The concept that God is preeminently just is not true. God is preeminently love. And whereas justice would demand that my soul gets sent to hell, whereas justice would demand that I, Bishop Darby, don't deserve uh, the life that I'm living, God gives mercy and God gives grace. Does that mean that God is unjust? No. It means that God's justice is tied in deeply and meaningfully to his love. See, love often presents mercy and grace. Apathy usually produces judgment and justice. But this idea right here in this passage is all about this idea of divine judgment and divine justice. See, God has justice, but it's always in check with his mercy and his grace and his love. And sometimes he extends to somebody something they don't deserve because of justice but they get because of grace. 
And he expects us as Christians to do the same thing to the world around us, to continually and constantly live with this sense of justice and grace and love at the forefront of our life. Not retaliating, not doing what human standards of justice um, demand, but doing often the opposite. I find something interesting here. Maybe you'll find it interesting. Maybe you won't. But there are three statements he uses here. When someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let them have your cloak. When someone hits you on the right cheek, turn to them the left. When someone asks you to go one mile, go two. And we make bumper stickers out of these, don't we? We take these little lines and we throw them on some adhesive and we put it on the back of our car because they sound good. What Jesus is actually saying here is far more radical and far more interesting. I mentioned this in a previous podcast, so if you've already heard this, I apologize. But I think it, it bears repeating. Each one of these is actually a radical statement. Each one of these is a radically powerful statement. Because the first one, what Jesus is saying is, if you get smacked on the right cheek with someone's right hand, you've been backhanded. In Roman culture, being backhanded was a sign of your superior to an inferior. And Jesus says, you have to take that. Sadly, you just have to take that. But then, give him your other cheek. What that means is what Jesus is saying is, take the hit you have to take, but then turn your cheek and make him hit you again as equals. In Roman culture, giving a backhand was a sign of superiority. Giving a front hand was a sign of equality. Jesus is saying they gave you inequality. Make them look at you and value you as an equal. Radical. Radical. Resistance. Not with violence. Not by human concepts of justice but by divine, uh, with a divine mindset. Again, another example, when someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give him your cloak. In the ancient world, you only wore two garments. Jesus, in one very particular instance, is condoning, I guess, nudity in the courtroom. Joking. But he does actually say here that what you should do is if someone takes one garment of clothing, give them all your cloak. And on the surface, that just seems like a nice gesture, but in actuality, that is radical resistance. Because what Jesus is saying to you is, hey, shame them by your generosity. In the ancient world, if you saw someone who was naked, you were the one who was shamed, not necessarily the one who was naked. We see examples of this throughout the Old Testament, right? With Noah, with David and Michelle, and so many others. The one who views nakedness is the one who shamed in Jewish culture. Jesus says, shame them by your generosity. The third example is like it. A Roman soldier forces you to go one mile, which they could do according to law. Go with them a second, which they could not do according to law. That would probably lead that the Roman soldier would have to go up and get court-martialed, get interviewed by his superiors, why he broke the law of one mile with that man. And by doing it, you're radically resisting through an act of generosity of kindness and of love. See, the world has enough justice, perceived justice. The world has enough people who will retaliate, who will fight back and who will be angry. What we need to be is different. We need to be loving, radically resisting in the ideas of grace and mercy. See, God's justice, God's justice isn't like our justice. He's not always just like we think he should be. God offers forgiveness, grace, and mercy. He treats us not the way we deserve to be treated, but the way he desires to treat us. 
We should do the same to others. Love meaningfully. Don't resist an evil. Instead, constantly. Constantly give. Resist, but don't fight back. In Proverbs, there's a statement that says, heaping hot coals upon your enemies by acts of kindness. Let's, let's just say that as a Christian, that should be our mode of resistance. I'm going to immerse you in such deep and meaningful love that you're going to be forced to face it. Next week, we're going to pick back up with my favorite passage in the entirety of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. In particular, if you want to get ahead of the game here, we're going to be focusing in on verse 45. So that you'll be children of your Father in heaven. So that you'll be children of your Father in heaven. What is it that we have to do to be children of God in heaven? What is the most important thing to being a child of God? Well, join us next week as we continue on Mountainside and find out.